If you could turn in your Bibles to John, the book of John, the fourth of the four Gospels. We're going to read one verse of Scripture, and then I'm going to get into today's sermon. While you're turning there, I just want to say welcome to everybody. If this is your first time here, I want to say welcome home. We are so thankful that you decided to come hang out with us today. I want to say Buena Asafiwe to all of our family in Kenya, all nine locations of NOLA Church over in Kenya. Come on, y'all, let's give them a New Orleans welcome. Also to Ashley and her family in Melbourne, Australia, we love y'all. God bless you. Thank you for joining us every week. And all the other family that is spread all over the country. We got a bunch of people out today traveling, enjoying the, the really, really not cold weather that's happening. I am not looking forward to the 90s, y'all. I'm just telling you, it's, it's not good. I'm not built for 90-degree weather. I'm, I'm built for like 68 degrees air conditioner all the time. Anybody with me? Yeah, if you're not built for that, I'm sorry. You can put on a sweater. I can only get so naked. So let's turn the air conditioner up, right? I'm talking about the power. Turn that thing up. I break the temperature off of our air conditioner. The kids, it's cold, it's tough. Put on a blanket. We got those thick Mexican blankets laying, laying all over the house. Just go wrap up in one. Make you into a kid burrito over there in the corner. We're going to be fine. God is good, amen. Y'all ready to get into the word today? If you're not ready to get in, I'm just, I'm not even going to mess with you. John chapter three, verse eight, here we go. He says, the wind blows wherever it will. Everybody say, where it wants to. And you hear the sound it makes, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. So it is with everyone. Say everyone. everyone. So let me ask you a question. Does that mean that there are some people that this is not going to apply to? This is for everybody, right? Last I checked, all means Everybody. Everybody means everybody. It doesn't mean some like, well, that's not how I was taught. Well, that's why you're here today. And I'm going to teach you about the word of God. We're going to take care of that right here, right now. You weren't taught before, but now you about to be look at your neighbor and say you about to be Lord. I ask that you would be with us in this place. Your presence has already been very thick. Your presence has already been so real and powerful. And I'm asking God that you would anoint us to receive your word that is already anointed because your word is who you are. Come alive in every one of us today in the name that's above every name. Everybody that's going to preach with me, say amen. amen. Those of you who are not going to preach with me, you're welcome to stand with me. <laughs> Almost got a couple of you. I'm so glad to be with you today. I, I want to join with my wife and talk real quick about how amazing Tabernacle Week and Freedom Encounter were. We do this twice a year, and it's intentional that we do it twice a year because this is an intense time of just leaning into the identity of God. It's a time to come rest. We give the team the time off. I led worship two of the three or three of the nights, but I, I don't make any of the other team do it. There was a couple singers that wanted to sing with me, but I was like, you don't have to. Like, no, we want to. Like, this is the time where we don't pour out. We just get filled up. And let me tell you, God did some filling this past week. Amen. And I think it's so timely because we're in this series that we're calling Discovery, and this is part six. We've got two more parts in this, and then we're going to transition to the next series that God has for us. But in this series of Discovery, we've been trying to discover the intersection between passion and giftings. The last series we were in is a series that we titled Calling. Everybody say Calling. And for so many Christians, calling has become your responsibility in church. But what we wanted to do was change that and actually go to the word of God and define calling by what the word of God says. Calling is not your job. Calling is not what you're going to get paid to do. Calling is not even an action. Calling is a relationship with the God of all gods. Amen. He calls every person. Many are called. He calls every person into relationship with him. And we've made it about us. We've made it a job description. And this is why so many people start chasing purpose as opposed to chasing that real vibrant, living, open relationship with God himself. 
And because calling is so vital and because calling is so important, he pulls us in and he he says, let me be in a place of intimacy with you. Let me show you some aspects of my character and what I want to do in you. And then after we get into this relationship, we start the journey with Jesus. And this is where discovery needs to happen. Just getting into relationship with Jesus, y'all, is not everything that he's designed. Amen? There's a whole lot more than just acknowledging that there's a God. Even the Bible says that even the devils know that there's a God. So we're not special just because we acknowledge that he's there. He wants us to be in a place of relationship with him. And this is where discovery starts. And in the place where passion and giftings intersect, this is where our calling begins to have real deep meaning. And this is where we've been. If you've missed any of the sermons, if this is the part one for you, that's, that's no problem. You can go to nolachurch.com or check us out on our YouTube channel. Download the app and you can get caught up and you can even listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Your Mama Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So this, this, is, this is how we do this. This is what we do. We go deep into the word of God. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to teach you some things, and I want y'all to be on this journey with me. Amen? Somebody help us out in the back. Y'all stay up here, eyes up here, eyes up here. But God is going to do some amazing things, and he is going to teach us some things, some discovery things that we need to learn in this place today. Amen? All right, so here's what we've been doing. Over the past few weeks, We've been looking at 1 Corinthians. Everybody say 1 Corinthians. The the reason we've been diving into 1 Corinthians is because the church in Corinth in the first century is the only congregation that we can really see the North American or even the postmodern church, regardless of where we are in the world. This is where we can see the biggest reflection of what we experience today. We see a lot of the same issues and a lot of the same problems taking place in the church in Corinth. They were very much like modern day North America. They were self-made people. They were all about the individual. And a lot of the same problems that individualism creates back in the first century, we're experiencing it today. So is it all right if I just do a little teaching today? Y'all gonna learn with me while we teach? All right, so turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians and we're gonna be looking at the bulk of the first half of chapter 14. I'm not going to read every verse in here, but there are some verses that I really want to highlight and I really want to teach you some things. And let me tell you the reason why. I believe it's very, very important that we always understand the reason why God puts things in the Bible. And then we also understand why we need to learn it. It's not just because he said it. That, that, that's a little like, What? There's got to be more. Okay, you said it, but why did you say it? There's never anything rebellious about asking God why he did something. You start opening yourself up into rebellion when you make it about you and you start saying, why me? Doesn't mean you're rebellious, but it opens up rebellion at that place. But it's perfectly all right to ask God why, because that's where we learn the answers. Amen? If you don't ask the questions, you ain't going to get the answers. He never tells me no answers. You never ask. All right, anyway. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, last Sunday we dived into chapter 13, which was all about love. It is probably the the second or third most popular passage of scripture in the Bible. Even people who don't even know anything about the Bible have heard elements of chapter 13. And before we get into 14, I I wanna just pick up so you understand where we are. Now I know in part then I know fully, but just as I have been fully known, but now these three, verse 13, now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of all the things that God brings to the table for us is love. It's what we call biblical community. This is where the the body is in relationship with the body. This is where I am in this for you. This is where I serve you. This is where I am here to overflow what God has put in me, to overflow it into your life. We didn't come together for us, for, for me to feel good about myself. You walked into this building. My responsibility as a believer is to take whatever has been put in me and because I care about you and because we are in biblical community to overflow what has been invested into me. Amen. And before that, we looked at chapter 12, which was all about spiritual gifts. And this is where things get weird. 
Actually, things don't get weird. People get weird. God gives some gifts, and people are like, whoo, I want me some of that. And then they start running around like a chicken with their head cut off. And unbelievers walk in and go, what in the holy God is going on in this place? Y'all are strange. But is that God's plan? Is it God's purpose for his people to be a bunch of freakazoids? I'm pretty sure that's not the case. In fact, I can prove it. Is it okay if I prove it today? All right, that's cool. All right, I want y'all to listen. I want y'all to pay attention to what I'm saying because how many of y'all have a Pentecostal background today? Okay, we, we, got, we got a big old bunch of us out here. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> how many of y'all got a Baptist background? Just nod your head at them. You don't want to scare them. How many of y'all got a Catholic or a liturgical background? May the peace of God be with you. How many of y'all have no background? Y'all my people right there. Awesome. All right, so I'm just going to warn you. No matter what your background is, the next few verses are going to smack you right in the face. Don't get mad at me. I promise you, you have not been taught what we're about to read. You've been taught around it, but I promise you, you have not been taught it. This is why the church is kooky. This is why goofy things happen in the church because nobody wants to teach on this. So we, we about to. All right, here we go. Verse, chapter 14, verse 1. Here's what he says. Pursue love. What? Pursue what? Pursue community with other believers and be eager for the spiritual gifts. What is he talking about? He is literally talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the congregation. I want you to pursue community and I want you to pursue a a physical, visible manifestation of the character and the breath of God in your gatherings together, especially that you may prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. All right, so let me help you out here real quick because already some of y'all are thinking, he's talking about fortune telling. No, he is not. He's not talking about predicting the future. If you've been coming any length of time, I've already taught some of this, but this is prophecy. Nothing else is. All right, so somebody comes to you and says, I have a word from God for you. Very cool. Give me the chapter and the verse. No, no, he said it in my spirit. (laughs) That wasn't Jesus. That was you. Stop eating the bad pizza. Instead of playing video games all night, go get into the word of God and then tell me what the word of God says because that's what prophecy is. The the Greek word here is propheteo and it doesn't really matter if you don't speak ancient Greek. I don't either, by the way. I looked that word up. I'm from Baton Rouge. We don't speak ancient Greek in Baton Rouge. But the word propheteo means to speak with divine inspiration. Stay with me. Stay with me. Speak with divine inspiration, which means don't say anything if the divine has not inspired you to say it. And if the divine is going to inspire you to say it, I promise you it's something that he has already said. He's just going to show you how to apply it in your life. So he is saying, I want you to be eager for the manifestations of the spirit. And and we learn in chapter 12 that there are actually nine manifestations or there are nine spiritual gifts. But I want you to especially seek to inspire someone by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Remember, I told you it's perfectly okay and acceptable and right to ask the, re- the question, why? So let's dive into that because he breaks it down. Verse 2, for the one speaking in a tongue, everybody say a tongue, does not speak to people but to God, for, one who under- for no one understands. He's speaking mysteries by the Spirit, okay? I, I, I want to touch on some things here because I want you to hear me. The Word of God is truth, right? The word of God is God himself expressed in verbal and written form, right? 
This means we are reading Jesus himself, amen? If you didn't believe that, that's what we believe here because we believe the Bible. We base everything on the word of God. We believe in speaking in other tongues, but only as the spirit gives the utterance. We don't believe in a personal prayer language because that's not biblical. We don't believe that you can give your gift to somebody else because that's not biblical. We don't believe that you should get in people's faces and say, see my takam tamata, see my takam tamata, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda. That's not biblical. I grew up Pentecostal. I know all the jokes. Okay, so just because some people mess up, does that mean what God said is not true? Just because some people do some things that are not correct, does that mean what God said is not correct? Just because some people were taught incorrectly, does that mean that the word of God is a lie? No, it does not. So what are we talking about here? What you're about to see over the next few verses is you're gonna see Paul make a juxtaposition between the gift of tongues or the gift of languages, the word that he uses here is the word glossa. Everybody say glossa. And the gift of prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. And again, the Greek word here is propheteo. And again, you don't need to know the words. The only reason I'm showing the words is I'm about to disprove some bad theology here in a second. And I want you to see what the word of God actually is. There are people who believe that right here in verse number two, that for one speaking in a tongue is literally talking about this. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking definitely about a language because the word that is used here is the Greek word glossa, which literally means a language spoken out loud. What is the language? Well, that depends. Because if you go back to 13 and one, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so there's at least two different types of languages that you can speak with the member of your mouth that is a glossa, a language. Does that make sense? I can speak in a language of men, which could be a language that I have learned at school, or I could speak a language that I have never learned, but God gives me the ability to speak the language. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2, an earthly language unknown by the people speaking, or there is a language of the heavenlies. There's a language of the heavenly realms that God may give me the ability to speak and it remains glossa. Why? Let me show you why. Glossa is not about this. It got quiet. Glossa is about this. Propheteo, prophecy, is about this. All right, so y'all stay with me. Let, me. let me break this down. For the one speaking in a tongue does not speak to people but to God, for no one understands. If I start speaking in another language, you're not going to understand what's being said. You're going to go, that's, if you're okay with it, you're like, okay, cool. If you're not okay with it, you're going to go, oh my God, what was that? And the church goes, just deal with it. Is that right? No, it's not right. Let me show you. And the individual is speaking mysteries, not on their own, not by their own power, not by their own personal empowerment, but by the power of the spirit. Verse three, but the one who prophesies speaks to people, why? For their strengthening, their encouragement, and their consolation. So part six of this series, if you need a title, I'm simply preaching today, discovering strength. Everybody say discovering strength. Let's move on into verse four. The one who speaks in a tongue, the one who speaks in a language, in a glossa, the one who speaks in either an earthly language, known or unknown, or a heavenly language, the one who speaks in a glossa builds himself up. Does that mean it's self-serving? No, it's self-edifying 
by the power of the spirit. In other words, what God is doing is when the individual gets worn out, when the individual gets broken down, let me put it in our language of the day. Anyone ever felt the anxiety? Anybody ever experienced depression? Anybody ever felt like, I just can't go anywhere from here. I am stuck in the middle of this rut, and I don't know what to do. I wish God would speak to me. No, he's not going to speak to you. He's going to speak through you. And when he begins to speak through you, everything in your spirit, your soul, and your body begins to be strengthened as the power of the almighty God by the breath and the character of the one who spoke the worlds into existence. As he begins to speak his reality into your situation, everything in you begins to be strengthened. What, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the gift of tongues. If your Pentecostal gift of languages for all us non-denominational folk. And this is an important gift. It is a gift that is real. Someone told me a few weeks ago, that ain't real. How are you going to tell me what I've experienced ain't real? Just because you've never experienced it. it, it forget my experience. How are you going to tell me that something that God says is real is not? I'll tell you why. Because people don't teach truth. They teach opinion. And as a result, good people get screwed up. And then they start pushing away from the thing that God designed to strengthen them. They push away from community, the one thing that God designed to heal them. And they push away from the gift of languages, the one thing that God designed to strengthen them. And they wonder why they don't feel loved and they wonder why they're weak all the time. Let's discover some strength. There is some strength. Here's the deal. If you are suffering with anxiety and you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to go to God and say, God, I need some strength. And then you need to allow him to take you to a place of intimacy with him where he fills you to the place where you are completely filled with him and you begin to overflow. Now, here's the deal. You don't have to manufacture it because this is private. You're not trying to impress anybody. This is you in your prayer closet. This is you in your war room. This is you by yourself. This is you and Jesus. And you're like, I'm tired. And he's like, let me strengthen you. And he breathes into your spirit. And his spirit begins to combine with your spirit. And his character begins to combine with your soul. And his spiritual embodiment begins to infect and impact your body. And as this begins to happen, your body begins to respond to what his character is putting in you. And everything about you begins to be strengthened. This is called the gift of languages. Why is it a gift? Because... Someone else may doubt that it's real, but I promise you, you know. If you've ever had this experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can fake it in front of people and they'll go, oh, look how spiritual you are. Ooh, no, shut up. You know if you're faking it, but when it's real, it's undeniable and, you, and your eyes can be, oh God. And you're like, I got to get me some more of that, right? Okay, that's cool that you want more of that, but let, let's dig in. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. What is the tongue? Glossa. It's a language. It will either be an earthly language or a heavenly language. It is there to build you up. But how do I build the church? By speaking, by divine inspiration, the word of God. Pastor, I need a word. Have you been reading the word? Pastor, can you give me three scriptures that apply to this? No, I can give you 66 books. You should spend time in it. But how am I going to know where to find? You need to ask him, show me. No, I, I just don't have time to study. Then you don't have time for relationship. Exactly, now. <laughs> the one who prophesies builds himself up. But you see, he's not done there. Because there are some people who believe, oh, well, that, that, the gift of tongues is only if it's real. If it's real. If it's real. It's only for a few certain people. 
I don't understand it. And because I don't understand it, and they didn't teach that at my seminary or my cemetery, I, 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 maybe it's not for everybody. Verse five, I wish you all spoke in tongues. What is he saying? Not everybody in the body is gonna have this gift. And by the way, just like all the other gifts, just because you have it once doesn't mean you have it all the time. It's not your personal gift. It's God's gift in you. It's the manifestation of his spirit in you for the moment that you need this manifestation to take place in you. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Wait, wait, what? I thought I was spiritual when I was bibbidi-bobbidi-booing in the church. I thought when I just got overcome and it just began to bubble, I, I thought that I was extra saved. No. What, what, what is the point that he's trying to make here? Is it okay that I'm teaching and not yelling and screaming? Okay. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Oh, wait a minute. That cannot be right. Because when you get in a spirit-centric congregation, everybody wants to speak in tongues. Sometimes from the pulpit, the pastor will say, just everybody start speaking in your prayer language. No, that's not of God. The one who speaks God truth by divine inspiration is greater than the person who builds themselves up. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless the person speaking in tongues also interprets so that the church may be strengthened. What is the point that Paul is trying to say? You have to read chapter 14 through the lens of chapter 13. He spent an entire chapter talking about the value of being in relationship with each other and how the greatest of everything that God has planned is this thing that we call community, this thing that we call love. And the whole reason this is here is so that you, us together will grow into something mature. It's not about you as an individual getting your Jesus fix. It's not about you establishing a personal ministry where you do anything and gain attention for yourself. It is about you surrendering everything that you are for the strengthening and the empowerment of everyone else in the body verse 6 now brothers and sisters if I come to you speaking in tongues if I come to you speaking in glossa I'm not making fun I'm just that, that was me just making babbling noises okay if I come to you speaking in tongues how will I help you unless I speak with a revelation or with knowledge, or with prophecy, or with teaching. What he is saying is, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, I don't care how much of the power of God that you are feeling, when you come to minister to someone else, don't you speak in tongues in front of them because they don't understand what you're saying and it doesn't mean anything to them. You need to speak a word of revelation, you need to speak a word of knowledge, you need to speak a word of prophecy. You need to speak something that will build them up. Well, I don't know how to do that. Exactly. Why? Because out of the nine manifestations of the spirit, out of the nine giftings, we got hooked on number eight because it builds us up and we like the way it feels and we're like, I gotta speak in tongues all the time. We come into worship, we throw our hands up, we start worshiping, next thing you know, we start speaking in tongues. Here's the deal, speaking in tongues is not worship. It's personal edification. You know what happens, listen to me here. Here's what happens, when we start speaking in tongues while we worship, we take worship and make it about us instead of about him. But I can't stop, exactly. Because you're not mature. You're not a sinner. You're not evil. You're not worthless. It's not a bad saint. No, that's not what it is. It's you're not mature. Let, let, let me prove it to you. Let, let, let me show you. Drop down to verse 12. Since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, speak to abound in order to strengthen the church. 
instead of seeking what you desire, instead of speaking and seeking what is going to build you up personally, seek to excel in the thing that is going to build up the person that's three seats over from you. But how do I do that? The one who speaks in tongues, verse 13, should pray that they may interpret. Wait, 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 what? No, that's just, that's just for the two or three people in the church that know. No, that is for the congregation. Because gift number nine is just as vital to the congregation as gifts one through seven and even gift number eight. And if you begin to speak in tongues in a congregational setting and it's loud where other people are hearing, you need to immediately, God, I need you to give me the interpretation because they don't understand what's going on. And I want them to be strengthened. But here's what happens. We've been conditioned to the place that when we hear someone speak in tongues, we recognize that it's God speaking. We're like, oh, that's cool. I'm encouraged because you're getting strengthened. First and foremost, there's nothing wrong with that. That's simply not mature, and that does not produce anything. We're just encouraged by the fact that God is doing something. But what if somebody is in the room who has no clue what's going on? Have we ever stopped? Well, they ought to just know. No, they won't. Because they don't know God. Later on in his letter to the Corinthians, he says the person who doesn't know God doesn't even have the capacity to recognize spiritual truth. And we're expecting the world to walk in and say, oh, that's cool. They're speaking in tongues. No, they're like, what in God's green goodness is going on? And I can tell by the stairs that you're like, I'm scared to death. <laughs> Hang on, let me, let me show you. Stay, stay with me. Stay with me. Verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. What should I do? I should pray with my spirit. I should also pray with my mind. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will also sing praises with my mind. In other words, don't lose your brain when you're in the presence of God. Be wise. Be mature. Don't check your brain at the door when you walk in. That's how you get called a cult. Don't do that. You need to hang on to the common sense that God gave you when you walk in. You need to hang on to the common sense that God gave you. You need to recognize the fact I'm not in this for myself. I'm in this for other believers. When you're at home in your prayer closet, let your freak flag fly. Just you and Jesus. Do what you got to do. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Oh, it's not for everybody. No, he's like, no, I wish you could. I do it more than any of y'all, but notice this. But in the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a glossa. When I come together with you, there is absolutely no need for me to strengthen myself because I've been strengthening myself in the spirit of God all week long. I didn't wait until Sunday to come get strength. I got strength on Monday. I had a little bit of taste of the Holy Ghost on Tuesday. On Wednesday, God met me and began to speak through me. On Thursday, he took me even deeper than I went on Monday. On Friday, oh, you don't even want to hear about Friday. On Saturday, I, was, I slept late and I woke up and he's like, hey, what's up? And But I come on Sunday and it ain't about me anymore. It's about me serving you. So on Sunday, I'm not, oh, I just can't wait to get in the presence of God. So I hang up. No, stop. Stop. Give me divine inspiration, God, because Jose needs it. Give me divine inspiration because Imani needs it. Give me divine inspiration because Chris is going through some hell in his life and he needs me to speak something inspired. Put it in my mouth. Open my mouth up. Put your word in my mouth. And when I speak it, make sure they can understand what I'm saying so they will feel as strong as I feel right now. Then verse 20, brothers and sisters, just in case anybody told you God don't care about the ladies, that's a lie, but brothers and sisters, don't be children in your thinking. Mm. 
Instead, be infants and evil, but in your thinking, be mature. What is he talking about? He's saying it's time to grow up. And right here, he begins to quote something from Isaiah chapter 28. I'm not going to go here today, but I want you to spend some time in the word of God this week. Go read Isaiah 28. Here's what it is. It is a prophecy of judgment against the tribe of Ephraim. And God calls out the leaders first and foremost. In fact, he calls the leaders of the tribe of Ephraim drunkards. He says, you've been given responsibility, but instead of leaning into truth, you're leaning into a substance that numbs your senses, messes up your thinking, and it convinces you something that's not true. And instead of speaking truth to my people, you're speaking what you feel from the place of your drunkenness. And he's speaking to them, and he's challenging them, and he gets down to the end, and he goes, and by the way, Y'all are so jacked up. And he talks about the people who make judgment decisions. He's talking about the judges. He's talking about the people that protect people. He's talking about the police. And then he talks about the priests and the prophets. He's talking about the spiritual leaders. He's literally talking about every type of leader that he has delegated authority into this world. And he says, you're all messed up because you're not being fed from my word. You're being fed from what you consume. And you're consuming things that are not healthy and you're saying that it's okay. I never told you it was okay. You're saying it's okay, but that's why you have no truth in you. All you have is what you've consumed. And what you're ended up doing is you're producing babies. Now, I've, I've got four daughters. God did not gift me with the ministry to, to minister to children. I love kids from a distance <laughs> you don't want me babysitting your kids I promise you I am literally the worst babysitter I, I will like they in a room cool shut the door let's go throw a bag of Cheetos and goldfish we'll see you in a couple hours that's how I babysit you wonder why my kids turn out the way they do now you know but, but here, I'm just kidding. I'm not quite that bad. Almost, but not quite that bad. But here's the deal. Here's what I learned about raising four children. Before they can speak coherently, they, they can't talk like... And they're tottering around. They know what they're saying. But you got no clue. You're like... You want to be a fire truck? And they walk in and their their head's too heavy and they're <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Like kids are awesome. They're and they're just in a world of themselves and they're just doing their thing. But you have no clue what they're saying. Why? Because it's babbling. And God looks at his people and he says, your leaders have consumed things that numb their senses and what they're teaching instead of maturing you is actually hindering your growth. And when you should be bearing fruit, you're still babbling like children in a daycare when there's nothing wrong with children in a daycare babbling. But when an 18-year-old is still babbling, we know that there's a problem. Something, something didn't connect. Either there's a physical problem or, or there's a speech impediment that may or may not be able to be taught away, right? Someone has to take responsibility and begin to teach. Someone has to take responsibility and to begin to mature. And the reason, oh, hear me, hear me. This is not judgment. I'm, I'm just trying to help you. The reason that so many believers today that our lives don't produce any fruit is because we're still in the daycare with our cheesy poofs and our rattle and we're babbling incoherently as if we're making sense and we're not producing anything because we're not mature enough to produce anything. And when we come together, we're like kids, mine. 
mine. Let, let, let me, me. I don't like that kind of music. Mine. Why do they dim the lights during worship? I don't like that. Mine. They use a different translation than I've heard my whole life. Mine. The pastor's not wearing socks. Mine. It's 90 flipping degrees outside. Take your socks off. Mine. We come to the house of God and we're like, it's all about me, Jesus. Don't you remember how awesome I am? I woke up this morning just to be in your presence, God. How awesome am I? Sing with me how great is this guy. That sounded way too Disney-ish. That's what we've made Christianity instead of absolute discipleship carrying a cross. We've made it about personal power. Make me feel good. Bring me to the house of God and give me some cheesy poofs. Pat me on the head, stick a noonie in my mouth and let me babble all I want. So I just, oh, and I leave saying, oh, we had good church. Did we? Who got discipled? By the way, speak in tongues till your tongue falls out. If you're not discipling anybody when the trumpet sounds, get ready to park it, baby, because you ain't going anywhere. I don't care what your gifting is. I don't care what your manifestation of the Spirit is. If God is not birthing something in you, you're immature. You're not going to make the journey. This is why he says the person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks with tongues in the, in the corporate setting because in the corporate setting, the person who speaks in tongues is still in a place of spiritual immaturity. But the person who can... You're the head, not the tail. You're the masterpiece. In the moment that Miss Pam needed to hear that, Thanks. You're just there. I'm not, I'm, you're not in trouble. You just happen to be right there. <laughs> Miss Pam's awesome. She didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> like being able to speak the word of God to somebody in the moment that they need to hear it, even when you don't even know what the situation is, that's greater than you saying, Ooh, I just needed to feel that. That does not happen without maturity. That doesn't happen in the daycare. That only happens in the place of spiritual maturity. I'm almost done here. So then, tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, comes is, is not for unbelievers, but it is for believers. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This scripture causes a little bit of problems. Let me tell you why. Verse 23, so if the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and unbelievers or uninformed people enter, will they not say that you've lost your minds? Okay, so if tongues are assigned to the unbelievers, why are the unbelievers saying that you've lost your mind if you're speaking in tongues? Hear me. In fact, stop looking at your Bibles. Look up at me in my sometimes hazel eyes. Not all signs are good. God will use a bad sign as quickly as he will use a good sign. When an unbeliever walks into the congregation that is used to flowing in the spirit of God and the congregation is all speaking in tongues and personal worship and personal strengthening, they're like, what in the world? It is a sign to them that these people don't care about me. They care about themselves because they came to get strengthened, but I don't even know what they're talking about and I need to be strengthened. Let me go someplace that is going to speak God truth to me instead of self-strengthening. 
I didn't get near enough amens on that, but that's okay. Don't say it. Don't say it. You're still processing or you don't believe me. That's okay. But if all prophesy, notice this, verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person enters, they will be convicted by all. What? I thought conviction came from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, if the whole congregation is prophesying, speaking by divine inspiration, God truth, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the congregation. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes through the congregation. He will be called to account by all. Again, same stuff. Verse 25, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And in this way, notice this, he will fall down with his face to the ground and worship God, declaring God is really among you. Notice it doesn't say that happens when we all come speaking in tongues. Only when we are mature and we're speaking God truth by divine inspiration. Conviction does not come through your self-strengthening. It only comes through the word of God being spoken in a way that it can be understood. Well, that's the preacher's job. No, that's our job. That's the body's job. Verse 26, so what, what should we do? Brothers and sisters, when you come together, each has a song, has a lesson, has a revelation, has a glossa, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Y'all, here's the deal. I, 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 we had altar track a couple weeks back, and I, and I told the altar track, everybody who went through that, we need to pray for the manifestation of the Spirit to break out in this church of spiritual interpretation because we've got people speaking in tongues and nobody knows what's being said. We need to pray, God, manifest your Spirit through interpretation so the entire congregation can be strengthened. Why is this? Let all these things be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, here's the deal. I'm almost done here. As a believer, you need to have a divine encounter with Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 2 style, where you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and he fills you to overflowing with everything that is him. And the way that you know this is happening is because he begins to speak out of you in a language that you didn't control. The other way that you begin to know is your life begins to produce things of the Spirit. What are you going to produce? You're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit are going to begin to be manifested in your life. If it's not happening, you did not have an encounter with God. You had a religious experience. You need to go back to the altar and say, okay, make it real this time. This is what's going to happen. And then you're going to go through hell. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're going to go through hell. It's going to happen. Every believer is going to go through hell. I thought Christianity made it want to stop buying books off the internet, stop buying into psychobabble. You're going to have hell. As Oprah said in the color purple, it's going to rain on your head. It doesn't matter who you are. Life is going to happen to you. And when it happens to you, you need to go into your prayer closet and say, God, strengthen me. And you need to allow him to begin to speak through you in a fluent language that you don't even remotely understand. But everything in your spirit, your soul, and your body is like, yes. Because the you that was in the mind of God before he ever created anything already put that language in the thing that was going to be you. So when that begins to hear what he has already put in you, everything in you comes alive. It's like, yes, I feel the strength of God. And you need to go there often. But if you bring it here and you don't pray for interpretation, you've turned this into daycare. And that's okay for a minute. But if you're 12 years old, still in daycare, there's a problem. If you're 25 years old, still wanting to play with matchbox toys, there's a problem. If you're 30 and you still have to have pictures in all the books that you read, there's a problem. Nothing wrong with comic books. Graphic novels are on a whole other level of intelligence. I'm just saying. I don't know what y'all are reading. <laughs> let, let, let me make it real. 
if your experience with God is only about building you up and nothing can be produced through you, it's not spiritual maturity. And you will sit here in this spot. Why is it always like this? I really am ready for a change. I'm really ready for something different, but I'm going to keep doing this until it changes. Stop. Stop doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. It's time to say, all right, I've tasted and seen that the Lord, he is good. He has spoken through me, and I feel my strength. Now, God, give me some interpretation because I'm ready to strengthen somebody else. Lord, give me some prophecy because I'm ready to give some divine inspiration to somebody else. Give me a word of knowledge so that they will know that you are with them in the time that they're going through a hell and everything and nothing that anybody else is saying is matter. Put it in my mouth so I can strengthen them. Give me the gift of healing because they've been struggling with that ailment way too long. That's maturity, y'all. But see, we're scared of those things. Because you, you, God starts using you with the gift of healing, there better be some results, right? But I can fake tongues. I can fake them and you'll think they're real. Because I know exactly where to put the growl. I know exactly when to fall out when the preacher blows on me. I know exactly how to manipulate you with something that I do because I grew up in it. But if I start giving you prophecy and it doesn't apply to your life, I'm full of crap. You better be mature when you start dropping words of knowledge. You better be mature when you start dropping words of wisdom because if your wisdom ain't bringing truth into the situation, you ain't wise, you dumb. You see, you can't fake maturity. And it's easy to hide behind spiritual immaturity. But this is why nothing is being produced in our life except more and more confusion. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to get mature. It's time for God to say, okay, I've strengthened you. You're, you're 28 years old now spiritually. It's time to go into the inner chamber so I can put something in you that will come out of you and produce life in someone else's life. It's time to get real with God. Let's go to verse 39 of 14. So then, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, but do not forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. It's not my job to shut you down when you start speaking with tongues. It's your job to say, I just spoke with tongues. God, give me the interpretation. It's not my job to say, oh, oh, oh that's out of order. Or as Pastor Matt says, now's not the time. <laughs> Happy anniversary to y'all. Love y'all. They've been married 58 years. Not really. But it's not my job to shut you down. You're not my kids. I don't discipline your children, and you are grateful. I promise you, you would not like the way that I parent. You're not my kids. You're not my sheep. I'm not your shepherd. I work for the shepherd. Jesus Christ is your shepherd. Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of NOLA Church, not Monty Young. I work for him. He's awesome. You should meet him. I'm just like you. It's not my job to shut down immaturity. It's your job to grow up. Hear me. It's not my job to fill up your cup. It's my job to overflow. And you put your cup up under what God is overflowing. And then we all grow together. You need to start asking yourself some real questions. Is my life producing any fruit? And if it's not, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I need some strength. Here's the deal. If you come into the house of God and you need some strength, get you some strength. There's nothing wrong with it. But be mindful. There may be somebody two or three seats down that doesn't know what's going on. So rein it in. It's between you and God. There's nothing wrong with that. Do it between you and God. And if you feel the need to take it loud, go for it. But immediately start praying for interpretation. That's never happened. Are we mature enough for it? Or are we still trying to get strength? Are we trying to give or are we trying to get? 
eager to prophesy. God, let a spirit of maturity break out in this church to where we can handle what you are trying to conceive in the womb that you call Nola Church. So that what is produced is not something that man creates. It's not something that man dictates and not something that man controls, but something that you conceive within us that gives birth to a mighty revival and a mighty awakening. Be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. Verse 40, and then we're closing. And do everything in a decent and orderly manner. Pastor, when the gift comes on me, I can't control it. Hear me. That's not God. That's you. That's you in the daycare. Because a few verses before, he said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Meaning the person who God entrusts the gift to is as much a player in what God's doing as God himself. And also, the Holy Spirit knows who is sitting three seats down. And he knows that they're going to be freaked out. And I promise you, it's never his intention to make them feel awkward. He wants to strengthen them. Which is why he's going to strengthen you. But here's the deal. Don't stay there. Okay. I feel the strength. Now, how can I be used as a vessel of honor in an orderly manner to minister to you? Jacob, you got things going on in your life. You need me to speak truth to you. You don't need me to get strong in front of you. Some of y'all like to work out. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I got your donuts over here when you're done. But, but here's the deal. You go to the gym and you see the, the people on the bikes you see the people on the Stairmasters. <laughs> you see the guys looking at themselves like, mm. You don't see them. But anyway, anyway, anyway. That was too far, too far. But here's the deal. You go to the gym. You see people working out. You don't go to the gym and go... Boy, I'm strong. Right? I get no strength over you working out. I, I watch Preston's Instagram videos of him doing all these weird contortions with his body that no one should ever do. Like you're, what the, ha, ha, and all this stuff. And he's like doing all, because he's a stuntman and he can do all these cool things. But I don't learn how to do them just watching him do it. I get no strength out of what you do. I get pain, and then I go eat some rice aroni and I feel better about myself. <laughs> but, but does this make sense? You working out in front of somebody does nothing for them if it does that you are producing lust in them. Instead of working out in front of somebody, why don't you say, hey, come work out with me. Lord, put prophecy in me for them. And when you're done, put some prophecy in them for me too. That'd be really cool. Thank you. Because it's not about us as individuals. It's about us as a body. Does this make sense? I don't know about you, but I am so ready for God to do something dynamic and amazing and powerful and overwhelming where he begins to birth something new in this congregation to where I'm not getting 75 emails. I feel like I just can't take another step. Like if you're, if you're going through that and you need to email me, do it. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not pushing you away, but how much greater would it be if you said, Hey, I got to the point where I felt like giving up. And instead of reaching out to you, I reached out to the only one who can actually give me strength. 
And you know what? He put some strength on the inside of me. And now you know what? I'm ready. Is there somebody in the church that needs a word of encouragement, Pastor? Instead of saying, can you pray for me? Is there someone I can pray for? Because at this point, our lives are going to begin to produce something. Hear me. Last thing. Then we're done. All nine of the spiritual gifts are for you. All nine of the spiritual gifts are welcome to flow in this house. We're not going to stop God from doing anything, but we want God to strengthen us so that we can strengthen other people so he can trust us with where he's taking us. That sound amazing? Come on, let's stand to our feet and thank God for his word today. God, you are awesome. You are powerful. You are wonderful. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have taught us today by the power of your word. I pray today, God, that you would do something beyond our understanding starting from this moment. We've spent time resting at your feet. We've spent time at the altar. We've spent time in the tabernacle resting just like Mary did. But now, God, you're calling us to a place of action, which means we need to be mature. We can't lean into church tradition we can't lean into what makes us comfortable. We've got to lean into every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Almighty God. So, Lord, here's what I'm praying. As we walk out of this worship experience today and we go back into the world in which we live, Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would start a good work in us because we know that whatever you start, you are faithful to bring it to completion. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen and amen. Y'all, let's give him some praise right now real quick. God is awesome, amen, 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 amen.